Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. In this episode of Boss Files. That's true. That's how we found Bitcoin. On a beach, on an island, in the middle of the Mediterranean, called Ibiza. We were on vacation. Some guy from Brooklyn came up to us and recognized us from the, uh, the social network and started talking and we just you know, started chatting. He's like, have you thought about Bitcoin or virtual currency? And I was like, no, I haven't. Uh, he started telling me a little bit more about it. It sounded pretty crazy. Had some tequila, then it started to make a lot more sense. Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. You may know their Facebook fame and the social network, but after suing Mark Zuckerberg, they're now dubbed the Bitcoin billionaires. They use their settlement with Facebook to build Gemini, a cryptocurrency exchange that allows customers to buy, sell, and store digital assets. But how do they see the risk associated with crypto? Should the average American bet their retirement on Bitcoin, on crypto? My friend's parents in Minnesota or that laid-off GM worker in Ohio, is it safe enough for them? It's a personal decision, and we're not here to give investment advice. We think it's the future. Um, so if your portfolio has some percentage of your future uh, moonshot investment, mm-hmm. um, we think this is as good of an option as any. You have to make your own decision, but I think if you start looking at it and digging deep, yeah. there's some really exciting stuff coming on. And a lot of people have um, you know, done really well, and Wall Street's been asleep at the wheel. Wall Street's been asleep at the wheel? Totally. The way they see it, cryptocurrency is at the bottom of the first inning. Plus, why are there so few women in this space? And what can they do to avoid making Bitcoin a boys club like tech and finance? The brothers warn America should not, quote, miss the boat on crypto. Here is my conversation with Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having us. I Backstory here for everyone listening. The last time I saw you two, you were in college at Harvard. Right. Yep. We were <laughs> freshmen. freshmen. So that's about 20 years ago. Yeah. We had a mutual friend. We came up to Harvard to visit you guys and I had no idea what would unfold uh, since then. So first of all, congratulations on all the success on multiple fronts. Thank you. Congrats to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So for anyone uh, that doesn't know, Gemini, the name of your company that we're going to talk a lot about today, means twins in Latin, obviously. What I think people don't know about you being twins is that you're mirror twins. So essentially, like one person, as long as could possibly be, then split into two. But what does that actually mean about the two of you and how you think and operate? 
So in a literal sense, I'm left-handed. Cameron, I'm the left-handed twin. Tyler's right-handed. Okay. Um, I guess I use the right side of my brain. I'm more, more right brain dominant, and the reverse is true for Tyler. Um, so how does that play out in our personalities? I mean, I think Tyler's maybe a little more organized uh, than me, <laughs> a little more <laughs> mathematical. Yes. Um, You're more creative? In a different way, maybe. Okay. Um, but not that I he's think it not. just makes us very different people, but the same people. Like, our value set's the same. Yes. But as you get closer to the surface, we can have differences. Um, our posture, people who know us really well, the sound of our voice... Um, we don't always like the same song, let's say. Like, we don't always agree, and I think right. that's what makes a good team is we're not the same person. Well, that could make you either sort of combined like a super CEO or it could make it really difficult to run a company together. So far, it's worked, mm-hmm. but what is that sort of yin and yang like, running a company like this? Well, so as rowers, we um, we both rowed different sides of the boat. So we went to the Olympics in 2008 as a pair. Total and underachievers, guys. I know. Harvard, I know. Olympics. Only sixth place. Um, <laughs> but um, so I sort of had the, the right side of the boat, depending on your point of view, and yeah. Cameron had the left side of the boat. And we had to work to balance it, to row it straight, and to compete, and to race together. So I think, like, literally, it is a yin and yang type sport that way. And that's how we approach our business. We just divide tasks. There's no, like, hardline rule, but hmm. um, we kind of jump on different things um, and divide and conquer. And that's worked well because the Olympics or that pursuit was a really high-intense uh, pursuit with no guarantee of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's years you go without, you know, making it or have anything to point to. And then you get to the Olympic Games, and it's a seven-minute race. And if you screw it up, then you train four more years for the next seven minutes. So Just seven minutes. Yeah. Wow. So fast forward past the Olympics to today, you guys are running Gemini, and this this business and cryptocurrency could not be more in the spotlight. Congress is having to figure it out and understand it and hold hearings on Libra, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. But help me understand, Cameron, why you think the world actually needs crypto. Mm-hmm. Do we need it? Uh, Definitely. Um, So Bitcoin is the first form of money that was built for the Internet, and it basically works like your email. And no form of money really works prior to Bitcoin on the Internet. Um, So that's a key, important aspect of it. If you think of telephone calls, there used to be long-distance calls. It was expensive to call from New York to California. And then all of a sudden, voice over IP, um, voice you could do voice over the Internet, and then applications like Skype um, were built on top of those internet protocols. And so you can video conference now to from New York to Hong Kong for basically for free any time of day. This is bringing money from the banking system and moving it onto packets on the internet and moving through protocols so that things are cheaper, micropayments can happen and money actually moves globally uh, 24-7, 365, like yeah. your email. And that was the aha moment for us. This is money built for the internet and yes. the first of its kind. So I get and I understand the convenience factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still risk that's been laid out by the Treasury Secretary, the, the Fed Chair lately. I ask you guys if the world needs it because some pretty smart guys say not so fast. Warren Buffett, as you know, famously is called Bitcoin rat poison squared. Mm-hmm. His business partner, Charlie Munger, 
called it stupid and immoral, worthless artificial gold. <laughs> J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon previously called it a fraud. I know they've gotten into the space with it. It's different, their coin. But why are you betting that all three of those smart guys are wrong? So ultimately, uh, Warren Buffett's very good at valuing companies, but this is a network. Money is a network, and Bitcoin is the ultimate gold network. Um, so the way you value a network is very different. It's uh, Metcalf's law. It's N squared. So it's the amount of participants uh, squared is the value. There's no cash flow. And so the traditional way of looking at a company is not the way you look at this technology. And so that's why we think you know, this is the biggest revolution since the internet itself. This is the internet of money. And those individuals aren't tech experts. And I think they would tell you that themselves. Diamonds? Yeah. He runs a bank. Um, it's a pretty tech-forward bank, J.P. Morgan. But it's still a bank, and it's not a technology company. Um, so, I mean, it's so they're actually in cryptocurrency, so they've, they've totally... It's so different than Bitcoin, what they've launched since, and that was after he said this about it. But. Yeah, but, like, to, to his credit, he's, learned, he's obviously changed his opinion mm-hmm. on the space as he's gotten to know more about it. Um, but we like the fact that everyone doesn't necessarily get this. Because that's the opportunity for us. If everybody understood what Bitcoin was in 2012, there would be no opportunity for us to invest in it. There would be no opportunity for us to be building a company. So um, you want to be considered a little bit crazy whenever you're starting a company. Because if you are not, then you probably aren't onto something. Um, so we think that that's the opportunity is that people haven't quite understood it, and people didn't understand the internet originally. Do you think most people think you guys are crazy, Cameron? At one point or another, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what did you guys buy Bitcoin at? Because at one, at one point it's been reported that you own 1% of all Bitcoin in circulation. You're nodding your head, so that's an affirmative. What did you buy it at? Um, I think we bought our first Bitcoin uh, in, the low, in the high single digits, so seven or eight dollars wow. per coin. And it's gone up to 20. I think the, the overall market... 20,000, I should say, yeah, and then the, down. The market cap at that time was not even 100 million. And I think it's 200 billion yeah, today. 175. So. What percent of all Bitcoin in circulation do you own now? Uh, it's been reported that we owned 1% at, at a point in time. I don't think we're going to deny that, but I don't think do we're going to Do you own go. more than that now? Um, so what we have done is bought other cryptocurrencies. So we've diversified into crypto. Uh-huh. Um, and then we started Gemini in 2014. And if, we're the sole investors and founders. And I'm the president. Tyler is the CEO. So we sort of have, we say we have our entire body in the game of crypto. Yes, you do. Yeah. So just to get to the, the question, though, do you own more than 1% of all Bitcoin in circulation? I don't think we've ever gone on record saying we own more than 1%. That doesn't mean you don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, that's true. But I think 1% is the last time okay. that we confirmed. And we think the thesis is far from playing out. Okay. Um, we think Bitcoin is gold 2.0. We think it will disrupt gold eventually. And the market cap of gold is $7 trillion, So until Bitcoin gets that um, large of a market cap, mm-hmm. right now it's just under $200 billion. Um, we think there's still room for it to appreciate. So, you know, we say that crypto's the bottom of the first inning, mm-hmm. and that, that's very much, we think that's the case for Bitcoin as well. And it's not just, 
you know, disrupting gold, it's an open source protocol that can evolve and do a lot more than just be a better gold. Um, well, we'll talk about the unbanked, totally. what, what it means for, for them in a moment. But just on that market cap, you guys have previously said you believe it'll reach at least a trillion dollar market cap. Help me understand why, meaning is it replacing money uh, to buy goods and services? Is it replacing gold as a hedge or a store of value? Is it a speculative bet? Is it all three? Like, what's the why that gets you to a trillion? So Bitcoin is definitely gunning for gold, disrupting gold as a store of value, disaster insurance, all that stuff. The reason why people have gold in their portfolio, they should own Bitcoin because it's better at being gold than gold. Um, it's fixed in supply. Gold is scarce. So it, um, it's better than gold in that respect. It's more transportable. You can send Bitcoin anywhere around the world, basically for free, instantaneously. It's very hard to transport bars of gold and move them around. Nobody actually moves gold. They just basically buy it and it stays in a vault under the Thames River and it doesn't move. It doesn't really work if there's actually a disaster. You can't really go and retrieve your gold bars easily and then go do what you need to do with right. them. So if you think of what makes gold gold, there's characteristics of it. The fact that it's scarce, it's portable to some extent, it's durable, it's divisible. And if engineers went into a room and said, let's engineer something that's got those characteristics, but is actually better at those characteristics. Um, and the physical part is actually not important. It's a bug, not a feature. So let's remove that. Uh, you would come up with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's not trying to be cash. We don't think it's going to be in its current state mm -hmm. used to buy a cup of coffee. Um, but a lot of people find value in gold. And we think that's the easy... Uh, use case killer okay. app for Bitcoin right now. Um, like I said, it can do more, but we're sort of focused on the, the bull case of disrupting a $7 trillion gold market. True story that this was a, an idea born out of some guy in Brooklyn on a beach in Ibiza when you guys took the first vacation you'd taken in a really long time. So After that's, some tequila. That's true. That's how we found Bitcoin on a beach, on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean called Ibiza. We were on vacation. Some guy from Brooklyn came up to us and recognized us from- Those people in Brooklyn. I, <laughs> from the, uh, the social network and started talking and we just you know started chatting. He's like, have you thought about Bitcoin or virtual currency? And I was like, no, I haven't. Uh, he started telling me a little bit more about it. It sounded pretty crazy. Had some tequila, then it started to make a lot more sense, <laughs> but it was still crazy. And uh, we were really drawn to like the technology aspects, the ability to send this yes. money anywhere around the world through the internet. And we're just blown away by that realization that this was maybe the next future of money because money stopped evolving like 50 years ago. If you send a wire, like at the end of the day, money is just information. But yet it shuts off at you know, 4 p.m. each day and doesn't work over the weekends. And yet we've got the, you know, the information superhighway, the Internet. You can send information. But there's more to this than just the convenience aspect. There's the argument over centralized or decentralized. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more here. Sure. Did you guys use your Facebook settlement money to build this business? Uh, that's correct, yeah. Ultimately, we, we, so we settled with Facebook with mo mostly in, in stock. Yeah at a $15 million valuation at that time, and we held for a while and then eventually diversified into uh, crypto and things like that. Coming up, what are the risks associated with crypto? Is it a smart investment for everyone? I ask Cameron and Tyler next. 
so I, I'd like to spend some time on, on, on the risk because I think about, you know, my friend's parents in Minnesota who are retiring and thinking about, oh, well, is this where I should put my retirement, et cetera, or the laid off GM worker in Ohio that I've spent a lot of time reporting on. And they all want to know, is this for me? So let's mm-hmm. assess the risks here and, and, and the unknowns. Milton Friedman, the economist, Back in 1999, I was watching a YouTube video of him talking about, he didn't use the word Bitcoin or crypto, but he mm. used the word, I'm sure you've seen it, e-cash, right. and talked about how it could ma- it will happen and predicted it would happen sooner and talked about how it would make people's lives easier, but also bad people's lives easier too. Prescient? I mean, you know, should his warning be heeded? Well, his, that video is a big rallying uh call and cry for for crypto in in Bitcoin and has been for a long time. Um, Obviously, prescient, he saw the future. Um, You know, in terms of the bad actors, we've tried to build regulation, bring regulation and build regulated Mm -hmm. on ramps into the space, just like your bank understands customers and makes sure bad people don't get into the banking system. So that should continue into crypto. But that's not unique to crypto. Like the U.S. dollar and cash has been used to um, for illicit activity more than any currency in the world. And no one's calling for the banning of the U.S. dollar. It's just understanding how to work with it and take the crime fighting techniques and regulation that we've been using for the last 100, 200 years and just applying them to crypto. And that works pretty successfully so far. Uh, one of the, the differences, main differences, is that cash is in a deposit you know, account is FDIC insured up to $250,000. There is not that safeguard for crypto. There's no government insurance, but we have private insurance that, that uh, covers some of our, in our entire hot wallets or the money that's connected to the internet on the Gemini platform. Yep. And then we're working on insurance coverage for our cold storage. So we have to go to the private market for our coverage. Uh-huh. There's currently no deposit insurance scheme backed by the government in crypto right now. Should the average American bet their retirement on Bitcoin, on crypto? Like I said, my friend's parents in Minnesota or that laid-off GM worker in Ohio, is it safe enough for them? It's a personal decision, and we're not here to give investment advice. We think it's the future. Um, So if your portfolio has some percentage of your future uh, moonshot investment, Mm -hmm. um, we think this is as good of an option as any. you know, when we first got into this space, we were meeting people who were literally putting every penny of their life into it. Um, there was so much passion and conviction. Yeah. Um, they came to that, obviously, on their own, you know, study and work. But um, it's powerful. And we've, like Cameron said, we don't have just our skin in the game. We have our body in the game. Yeah. Um, you have to make your own decision. But I think if you start looking at it and digging deep, yeah. there's some really exciting stuff coming on. And unlike the internet, which you couldn't buy a piece of, you can actually buy a piece of this new internet of money. So it's been a retail-driven market from day one. It still is. And a lot of people have um, you know, done really well. And Wall Street's been asleep at the wheel. Wall Street's been asleep at the wheel? Totally. Do you think, though, it is as safe as U.S. Treasuries? As it's, it's a different type of investment. I mean, an investment in Bitcoin is like an investment in gold, like, a, okay. like new store of value and gold. Um, but look, the early days were a wild west. I mean, you can read about it in Bitcoin Billionaires. It was it was yes, a messy. It's a great book. <laughs> it was a messy time, um, and we spent the last five years trying to build Gemini, which mm-hmm. is a New York trust company. 
uh, we often say trust is our product and we're trying to basically build a safe and easy way for that person in the Midwest if they want to buy a piece of crypto to do it just like they do at their brokerage account, like a share of Apple or a share of Amazon. Okay, so more like a security in well, that sense. Which the we'll same get into experience. The ETF stuff in a we're, we're trying to create the, ex- the same experience and the same safe environment okay. um, and way to store. But the, this is a new asset class. Um, it's the future. It is volatile. Um, there's been ups and downs, but we think directionally it's hmm. moving in the right direction. And uh, you know, we had to invest because we were afraid of being like of missing out like we couldn't miss out on this on this future so what about if does it make the world a safer place let me read you some of the concern the treasury secretary Steven mnuchin was talking about libra recently and talked about his concern that it could be used by quote money launderers and terrorist financiers he recently recently called this a national security argument We know drug dealers, we know trolls at the Kremlin, the IRA, right, the Russian Internet Research Agency that interfered in the 2016 election, used Bitcoin to finance finance that campaign. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says Libra raises many concerns regarding privacy, money laundering, consumer protection and financial stability. Do you guys share those concerns or do you think they just don't get it? We totally share those concerns and every all those requirements under the Bank Secrecy Act and FinCEN registration and reporting obligations, we do and we've done since day one. It's the DNA of our business, um, you know, and so we, we totally agree. We, but these concerns aren't unique to Libra. Terrorists use email, they use cars, they use U.S. dollars. Libra's not even launched, so no one's using it for anything bad. Um, of course, it could be used just like anything else. But Bitcoin, else. as I mentioned, was used by the Internet Research Agency. Sure. Bitcoin has been used by some bad actors, but a lot of those people are in jail now. Silk Road's in jail. Mm-hmm. The DEA agents that actually busted Silk Road and embezzled some of the Bitcoin, they're in jail. Um, smart criminals haven't been using Bitcoin because it's actually very traceable. Um, there's tools and blockchain forensics analysis. Mm-hmm. So it's actually not that anonymous. Um, and again, I don't think it's a unique problem to Bitcoin or crypto because it's a new thing. People like, ooh, all this stuff. But like, again, I'll go back to the U.S. dollar um, has committed more more crimes or more criminals have used that dollar um, than anything else. I mean, crypto's not that big still. It's a pretty small market cap. Um, so I, I don't think it's unique to crypto. I think a boat uh, owned by one of the banks and, you know, big global banks was seized with like a billion dollars of drugs yes. on board. By the should Iranians. We, yeah. Should we ban boats and stuff? No, we just have to do a better job of of monitoring that traffic. All right. So let's get into Libra, because it, it's it's interesting to me. It seems like, at least from the outside, that it was Libra that woke Congress up, mm-hmm. that it was Facebook getting into this that freaked a bunch of members of Congress out in those hearings. So just to begin with, A, can can you guys believe that you're at it again with Facebook? <laughs> Honestly? Um, you know, ultimately, uh, I'm sure we'll dive into it, but um, we don't see Libra as competing. We actually think it's a product that um, Gemini could work with okay, um, and might actually do so. But it's, it's interesting. You might offer it on the Gemini Exchange. Depending on what, if it's an open source, it could be traded on the Gemini exchange for sure. Um, and we could ahead. also be potentially a node in the network, um, depending on right. how that you know plays out. Well, 
Facebook already selected firms to to back the Libra sta- sta- mm-hmm. uh, stablecoin. They chose Coinbase, a competitor to Gemini. But um, I- I'm interested in if Facebook asked you guys, asked Gemini to be a founding member of the Libra Association. So we have been in talks with them, but we can't discuss the specifics of it. Uh, what we can say is we will evaluate uh, the foundation in earnest, whether becoming a member makes sense for Gemini. Um, and if it does, we'll join. If it doesn't, you know, obviously we won't. Have you guys personally talked to Mark Zuckerberg about it? Not personally, no. No. Via email? <laughs> Not via email. Okay. No. Um, so then, so what's your over-under on, on if you guys do join then? What are you waiting to hear? I think we want to learn a little bit more about the actual project. Um, I think they signed up something like 26 nodes so far. They're planning to launch with 100. Um, So I think we'll just continue to to see how it evolves. Um, There's obviously hearings, I think, last week. Um, So there's a lot of work to be done, um, but we'll we'll just see how it goes. Speaking of those hearings, let me read Mm -hmm. you some from them. Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown, quote, do you really think people should trust Facebook with their hard-earned money? I think that is delusional. Is he wrong? Well, I think the way it's structured, it's a consortium uh, that's run by a separate company called Calibra, and then the nodes are going to decide a lot of the governance. So you're really um, trusting that group of nodes. Um, so you think it's not akin to trusting Facebook? No. Not the, directly, the way, no. As we understand the setup, it's it's not. And no one's forced to use Libra either. Mm-hmm. Um, you are forced to use U.S. dollars to pay your taxes. And if you're a merchant, accept um, U.S. dollars as payment. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing about Bitcoin or Libra is forced upon anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as people have the information, um, they can make their own decisions. What about um, what about centralization versus being decentralized? I mean, Sherrod Brown, Senator Sherrod Brown also talked about the threat that it could pose to our democracy, saying allowing big tech companies to take over the payment system or portions themselves to influence monetary policy would be a huge mistake, meaning it could compromise the Fed's ability to enact monetary policy. Should, I mean, should that be a concern? Well, ultimately, Libra is tied to government currencies. Right. So I think the government currencies are still controlling. Their own, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, I don't think Libra is controlling it from the top down. It would be still the governments um, that are part of the basket controlling that. Um, you know, look, Bitcoin came out of a time when people felt governments weren't doing a good job in 2008 crisis. Um, so I'm a fan of alternatives and pe- mm-hmm. people having choices. Um, if they want to use government money and you live in the U.S., it's a good choice. Um, if you live in Venezuela or Zimbabwe, um, the concept of FDIC insured backed by a government... It doesn't mean anything It means you. negative, yeah. right? Nothing. And so for people who live in different jurisdictions who don't have a government that has a good track record, um, having the ability to use Bitcoin or potentially Libra, could change their lives. And so that's what we're kind of a fan of. I don't think any of this is going to unseat the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, I don't, think it's a cha- I don't think Bitcoin challenges the dollar. I don't think gold challenges the dollar. Um, and I think Libra is pegged to a dollar or similar dollars. So I think it's, in some ways it's, 
it's reinforcing of those government currencies. It's additive. Yeah. Okay, before we move on, Chris Hughes, obviously, you know, a co-founder, a Facebook co-founder, no longer obviously works there, uh, wrote in the Financial Times, Libra will disrupt and weaken nation states by enabling people to move out of unstable local currencies into a currency denominated in dollars and euros and managed by corporations. So getting to your point about Zimbabwe or Venezuela, but his concern seems to be the power shift from governments to corporations. Is that legitimate concern? Well, I think if people are going into U.S. dollars, that's good for the U.S. government. And again, I don't think Libra is dictating the basket of underlying government currencies. And it's a consortium. Um, and it's, it's not for, again, it's like someone who's living in Zimbabwe has a choice of Libra or the Zimbabwe dollar, whether it's tech companies running Libra or that, it's probably a better alternative than what they have today. And I'm all for more alternatives, more choices um, for people to choose. Right? There's, there's a billion people who have no choice. They're unbanked. Yes. Um, so, Which I think gets far too little coverage. I mean, people yeah. in this country have no idea what it's actually like to not even have the ability to have your money stored somewhere. But many of those people do have mobile phones. Exactly. Which makes this possible right. which, for them. And I can send them an email, but I cannot send them 10 cents because the current system's too expensive. Uh, with cryptocurrency, you actually could do that. You could do a micropayment across the world that's borderless. And a lot of times currency is used by governments to manipulate and control the population. We don't feel that in the U.S. If you grew up here, you don't think about those things. In other countries, it is what governments do, and it's really negative for the local it, population. It's just for those people, it is so volatile. And I understand that their currency may be as volatile if you're talking about somewhere like Venezuela, but the dollar does not move like that. That's right. But, the but yen they also doesn't can't move like get that. into the dollar. So it's not like their local currency is very volatile, but the capital controls, they can't go to a bank and say, mm-hmm. I'm trading out of Venezuelan local currency and going to U.S. dollars. The government says, nope, you're not doing that. You're stuck here. Your hostage. This is it. This is it. Um, and so if it's Libra or Bitcoin mm-hmm. that they can get on their mobile phones, like email, that goes over the government control and manipulation of the population, I think that's really what is, powerful. Is that, let's play that out a little bit. Remember, you guys have talked about the buyer's remorse, buying your ticket on, you know, to go to mm-hmm. space with right, Richard right. Branson with Bitcoin and how many X times you paid because of the valuation went up or buying a pizza with Bitcoin. For those people who really need it, is it, is it you know, a safeguard for them or is it essentially money that they're supposed to spend to buy bread? Well, it could be where they hold their savings in Bitcoin and they could cash out a little bit of it into local currency if they need to do that. Um, look, it may not be get what I'm the saying. complete panacea. Right. But again, like what they're dealing with right now, they would do anything for some other option. And they are. it's happening, right? Um, I'm sure Bitcoin has penetrated into Venezuela and it's helping people. I'm sure it's helping people in Argentina. I'm sure it's helping people in Zimbabwe at some level. Um, and I think that's a, overall a positive thing. Coming up, what do Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss think of how Mark Zuckerberg runs Facebook today? I ask them. Stay tuned. You have said uh, pretty recently, Tyler, you think every FANG company, Facebook, which is now in it, Amazon, Netflix, Google, all the big tech firms right. will very soon, if they don't already, unbeknownst to us, have cryptocurrency projects. What tells you that? 
I think actually Cameron's. Oh, did you? <laughs> I probably should. Man, I even yeah. listened to it. Wrote down Tyler. Yeah, it is. I can. He's no, my Cameron gets brother. the answer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that um, internet companies have to have a crypto strategy, and I think a lot of them are thinking about their own coin projects, um, and they're probably watching Libra and Facebook to see how that fares as they develop. Well, it, it would seem very natural for an Amazon, for example. Yeah, because I think Amazon can probably get packages to literally any place in the world, even if the last mile is on a dirt bike or something, right. or just you know run somewhere. You can get the goods there. What you can't get is paid for those goods, which is very ironic that the physical stuff we can move all around the world and we can't get money mm. to a lot of places around the world. There's no credit cards and no payment systems and all that stuff in the last mile. So I think an Amazon coin makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, so we'll see. It, it, this is how it used to be. Um, I don't know you how many... Also cut out the- credit card companies, by the way. And That's the true. Big banks um, and the percent because you pay them. the existing system is centralized and there's a lot of fraud. And so that's baked into the merchant fees. And I think a lot of merchants are paying, you know, two to three percent or greater. If you if you use Western Union rails, mm-hmm. you're paying sometimes as high as like yeah. 18, 20 percent. By the way, it's, it's often the poorest people who have to pay the most to move money. Right. You know, it's totally. like if you have X amount of money, oh, we waive all those fees for you. But then if you have to go to Western Union, you're... Yeah, if you get the yeah. higher level private wealth management account, you get all the benefits. Right. Um, and you're not going to Western Union. And But the private companies issuing currencies, um, that's not like a new thing. It's like we're kind of going back to an old chapter in America, you know, finance history. Um, but a company issues a bond or a stock. Why shouldn't they be able to issue a currency? There was a time when GE um, was considered like a national treasure. You know, its currency, if it issued one, would be as good as the U.S. government. And so, like, I think we're going into this era of like, you've got government currencies, you've got things like Bitcoin, which are virtual commodities. You're going to have private company currencies. And you're going to be able to choose, like, I think Amazon's creditworthy. I think Facebook's creditworthy. I think Gemini's, Gemini Dollar's creditworthy. And you can use what you want. Um, and that's all great. It's competition. It's alternatives. It Price keeps governments uh, honest. It keeps, you know, companies honest. And I think it's just much more interesting than the currency only being stuck and controlled by, you know, a government. And we know how well and how bad that can also go. You said, hopefully, I have <laughs> this one. This right? Hopefully, I have this I'll one. I'll take right? credit for the next. No, one. I know because you just told it to me, Tyler. You said Wall Street missed a boat on this. Yeah. So I'm interested in if any big Wall Street firms have approached Gemini to buy you guys. Um, we have. We talk with a lot of firms. You know that pause and that answer tells me yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not selling Gemini. But have um, they come to you and asked to buy you? So a lot of people want to invest in Gemini. Um, like some of the biggest banks? Um, you know, we have never gone out and done like a roadshow for investment. Um, all sorts of types of firms want to invest, venture capital, some trading firms, some exchange firms. Um, but we haven't really explored that in earnest. And sometimes investing turns into, hey, the conversation goes into, hey, we want to buy you. But we've made it cl- pretty clear that we don't have capital constraints. We're not raising money. Um, so we've said no a lot of times. Um, if we went on the block and yeah. said, let's, we want to sell or something, mm-hmm. uh, we believe that there would be a lot of demand. But you have um, no interest in that right now? We don't. Okay. Because, and also, the more you take on from investors, the less is yours. The less of the upside is yours. 
that too. If you don't um, need it. Yeah, if you don't need And we're having a lot of fun um, building this company. We're not ready. We're not topped out in a way where, you know, we had a great run. We're looking to do other things. Um, we're in the bottom of the first inning. Like it, the bottom game, of the first inning. The game really hasn't started. Like, a lot of people feel like it's late. Oh, my gosh. But it's sort of like saying, like, um, in 2000, is it too late to invest in the Internet? People thought it was too late um, to invest in Google because search engine had already been won by all these other players. Um, so if it's the Internet in 1998, like, yeah. there's still, you know, two more decades. And, like, it's not stopping in 2019. It's going to keep going. Um, so it's too exciting right now for us to step off this. Um, so we're or, not at all Or give a chunk away, that. it sounds like. Cameron, you've said... We ask regulators for permission, not forgiveness. When I heard that, that made me think, wow, that's really the opposite of the early days of the Facebook mantra, move fast and break things. Mm -hmm. Was that intentional? Totally. Yeah. I mean, we, we waited to get our New York trust company license before we launched Gemini. And I think we built it for, it took us about a year and a half. We were just building and also parallel getting our license and just waiting till we could launch. And I think that that was a first in crypto then and still to this day, I think we're the only uh, platform and exchange custodian in crypto that got our license and then opened our doors. Do it, is there a need for, are you supportive of a global regulator for crypto? Because this is not a yeah. U.S. thing, it's, it's right. not. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It's not a U.S. thing and it's not a Silicon Valley and thing. And it'll never be. And we started Gemini in New York because the New York Department of Financial Services was willing to build a framework to license companies like Gemini. And a license is critical to get a banking relationship and really run your business. Um, I don't know if there'll ever be a global licensing layer. That would be nice. But like in the States, for example, we have our New York State regulator. And then yes. we deal with every other state individually because there's no federal layer for Bitcoin or virtual commodities right now. So it's a complicated Byzantine system in yeah. some ways. And um, we're looking around the world to get different licenses to be operational around there. So global regulator, if it's feasible, could be a good thing. I mean, the closest thing to it is probably like the EU, where you can yeah. passport around to different sure. uh, nation states. But um, what's been helpful is regulators collaborating with each other. So New York... Uh, was one of the first major regulators to actually get in yeah. regulating crypto. And I think a lot of uh, country regulators have all talked and mm -hmm. collaborated. So I think that's pretty helpful because it, it's a good framework. And I, I reread yesterday, actually, a speech that Christine Lagarde, you know, a former, well, for, she was IMF head then, now she's going to head the ECB. And she, what she wrote in, in, that gave the speech in 2018 was very thoughtful about the risks, but also the upsides to this currency. So I think they're learning more and more. I just, I'm not convinced that lawmakers in the U.S. totally get it fully. Some do. But do, do you guys, as you watch those Libra hearings, think there is a deep understanding of crypto among U.S. lawmakers? Well, the understanding seems like it's come a long way um, in, in the past year or so. Um, but I think one of our concerns is that the U.S. is moving at a pretty slow pace. 
And crypto is not waiting around for U.S. As you said, it's not a U.S. thing. It's not a Silicon Valley thing. We have 200 employees in New York. Uh, we also have an office in Portland and Chicago, but mm-hmm. they're, they're smaller offices. But the, the inertia of our company is in New York because they wanted to build a licensing framework. Yeah. Um, so that's important, and it will keep moving. And if the U.S., if we don't keep making progress, innovation will go offshore. Who's, who would, who's winning in crypto? What country? A- Asia is a very big region right now. The largest companies are based in Asia. Where? Um, Some of them are mainland China. Um, They don't necessarily service mainland China, but their operations are in mainland China. And then there's other places, you know, other companies that are in either Hong Kong or different island nations, and they run the biggest, most liquid operations in the world. Um, And that is definitely a challenge. There's not all exchanges are created equal and not all of them are licensed. And none of them are playing by the same rules. Sure. Which goes back to the global regulator Right question, but if you can look, figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I can't, but go for it. Yeah, um, President Trump sounds like you have a lot of convincing to do to him. He said recently, "I'm not a fan of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies." He called the value highly volatile, quote, based on thin air. Says it can facilitate unlawful behavior. Have you talked to the president about this? Have you gone to the White House? We have not. Do you want to? We'd be open to talking and educating about Bitcoin and crypto, for sure. On the American competitiveness front, it sounds like. That too, I think. Yeah, I think that a lot of this innovation is happening in New York, um, and we need to continue to bring it into the U.S. So I think that's an important area. Um, It's the most exciting area in tech right now. I think if you talk to a millennial in college who's interested in startups, technology, studying computer science, they're probably going into crypto. MIT, Harvard, whatever, you pick the institution, uh, Caltech, like they're probably thinking about going to crypto. We want to keep those people in America, Here. not mm-hmm. have them go out to Hong Kong or somewhere else. I would think if you know America wants to continue to dominate as you know a tech uh, powerhouse. Yeah, I mean, every most of almost everybody in Gemini came from either financial services, a bank, a hedge fund a major technology company. They didn't come from crypto. Tyler and I are probably the only two people from crypto in Gemini, and we started investing in Bitcoin in 2012 and then started Gemini a few years later. So keeping those people in America, building and innovating here, like America, we won the internet revolution and the wave, but blockchain is still open. And that's why New York was so forward thinking. Like Wall Street happened, right? Wall Street, but Wall Street 2.0, they want to keep in Wall Street, like literally in hmm. Manhattan. And that was the idea of the Ford regulation that, um, you know, the framework that we got a license as Gemini, but that wasn't a given. Like we stayed in New York because we could get a license. Mm-hmm. With that, we could get a bank You would have left otherwise. You would have taken Gemini overseas. We would have gone wherever the best framework is. And we're a New York trust company, which is one of the highest regulatory bars you can reach. So it made a lot of sense. But there's very sophisticated countries around the world that still haven't promulgated or brought down licensing. Like yeah. Singapore is a great example. We would love to be you know, licensed in Singapore. Um, they currently don't have a regime, mm. so there's nothing to apply for. And that's true for, I think, a lot of other countries. Yeah. Um, so speed of regulation is important in this game. You guys applied for twice, um, but, got, but got denied to build a crypto ETF. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what I mean that is really a move to mainstream. Totally. <clears throat> yep. Deny twice. Um, reading the SEC's decision on that. Uh, partly it said that the, they essentially didn't buy your argument that Bitcoin markets are uniquely resistant to manipulation, highlighted the issues of fraud and investor protection. A, are you going to keep applying because it doesn't say you can't do it again? And and B, what do you think needs to change for that ETF to become a reality? Yep. So we'll definitely keep applying, um, but we're watching to see how the market evolves. Um, we've been working on the Virtual Commodity Association, which is an industry-sponsored SRO, self-regulatory organization, to help police the crypto markets um, and build integrity in them. Um, but that takes a long time to get, you know, make progress there. But we're working on initiatives to help address some of the concerns of the commission. So you think you'll get there? We think an ETF is inevitable. Okay. Just the timeline, that's of really when. the open question. And but what, the, yeah. the, it's a chicken and egg because an ETF can bring a lot of surveillance and regulation to the market. And that's a little bit hmm. of our argument. We're trying to do it with, you know, inside the industry with the VCA. Um, but, you know, the regulators in the U.S. right now are very conservative. And I think they understand it. They're very sophisticated. They understand crypto. You can have a conversation with them. Like, they get it. Uh, they're just being very patient, and that's a little bit of our concern is, can America be patient, afford to be patient? And maybe the answer is yes, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit of a risk we take um, as everything continues to move offshore and massive companies are starting to get built um, and technologists are going there, mm -hmm. and then they go off and it becomes sort of self-fulfilling. Like they go off and start their own company, and then an ecosystem, Silicon Valley, Snowballs. may move somewhere else. And so um, we think- Silicon Valley may move somewhere else because the, of this? The, the gravity of startups and technology could not be Silicon Valley one day. You guys have also applied uh, for a broker-dealer license. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what should we read into that? Um, to list digital securities, or is this a derivatives play? So right now we only list uh, virtual commodities, things like Bitcoin yeah. and Ether, which are not securities. Mm -hmm. um, they're assets that fall out of SEC regulation. But if we want to list things like an interest in a hedge fund, a share in the Dunkin' Donuts on the corner of the street, um, a share of Apple that trades on a blockchain, we need to be licensed and regulated by the SEC. So that application allows us to increase um, the to assets that. that we support on Gemini. So one day you could be trading Bitcoin, you could trade Libra, mm -hmm. and you could be trading uh, a share in a local business uh, that you, you know, believe in. What about tokenization? Um, I'm interested in where you fall on that. It's gotten less public attention, but sort of the concept of tokenization, having the ability to digitize illiquid assets like art and sell a fraction, fractional ownership or lend for interest, uh, is that hype or is that underrated in your opinion? I mean, that's underrated. exactly <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's public markets that are capital formation of public investment in Apple, Facebook, but there's a lot of private capital formation happening in startups that aren't traded on these exchanges. Yeah. And the amount of capital that invests in private placement investments is larger than all the public markets combined. Those private markets can come online and be on blockchains, trade on exchanges, and the compliance and the exemptions, the Reg D exemptions, can be baked into the computer protocols so that all of a sudden secondary markets 
can trade, there can be liquidity, liquidity for a share in a hedge fund, a share in a, a private equity fund, a share you in a private create that liquidity. Um, someone would tokenize it, yeah. and those shares that are tokenized yeah. could trade on Gemini, and there would be a liquid second market for that, which does not exist today, but it could, and it's sort of like snail mail and then email. We want to bring private capital formation online into the information age so that things that are possible, like I can sit here right now and send an email to someone in the far corner of your office. I can't send them a snail mail, but I can send them 20 emails right now as we're yes. talking. And that can happen, that efficiency, that liquidity, that price discovery in private markets, which are bigger than public markets, can happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not an immediate thing. Um, the SEC is sitting on 40 applications. Ours is one of them. Mm -hmm. So that's got to, people got to get approved. Um, but over the next five years, or maybe much less time period, you're going to start seeing that happen. And it's a huge market. Coming up, why are there so few women in crypto? And what are Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss doing to try to avoid making Bitcoin a boys club? Just like tech and finance. Stay tuned. I'd like to talk a little bit about why there are so many more men in crypto than women. Um, it's, it's obvious. And I wonder why you guys think that is. So there are a lot of very smart women in crypto. Um, it is true that the percentages aren't 50-50 or um, you know, greater than that. Um, I don't think that's unique to crypto. I think you see the, that problem in finance. I think you see it in technology startups. I think that's actually the, the origin of the problem. Right. That, that, that crypto is the intersection of technology and finance. Very much two so. Two boys clubs. And it's creating another boys club, it seems. And I just, I wonder if that concerns you guys. It's definitely something we want to see change. Um, when we first got into Bitcoin, there was probably zero uh, females in, in all of Bitcoin crypto. So even since we've been in it in the last seven years, it's changed dramatically. Um, we'll do what we can to support that change as a company uh, inside the industry supporting uh, all sorts of initiatives. Um, you know, I don't know if it, but you know, it has to change also very early on in the funnel. Yes, um, otherwise you have the tech problem. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you don't have the pipeline, right? right? The pipeline as in like, you know, whenever kids start getting able to work on computers, encouraging girls and boys to take engineering and things like that. Um, I'm not the expert on that, but um, we try to continue to hire female engineers to Gemini. and You purposefully... We are conscious of that. And and you, it's are there very, any women in leadership at Gemini? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very difficult to get the candidates. And so we have, a, we have recruiters. We, have, we tell everybody in the company, hey, like, um, give us people you've worked with that are amazing. We'd love to hire them. Yeah. Um, and the pipeline's there, but it needs to be much bigger. Because if this is going to be as big as you guys are betting it's going to be, it would be a huge loss for women, for, 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 for my peers, for my three-year-old daughter as she grows, to not have that. Like, I guess 
I'm saying, is it important to you that we prevent against another thing happening like we've seen at these tech companies in Silicon Valley or at the big banks, right? There's never been a woman to head one of the big Wall Street banks. And that should, yeah. like, should that, do you hope that's not the case in crypto? Absolutely, yeah. And I think it starts with culture, values of the company, and then getting really talented, smart females in, in, the, in the door. And it's very important to us. I mean, if, if you're trying to bank the unbanked of the world, like yeah. you can't leave 50% or more of the group on the sidelines. And lines. especially in those who are unbanked, it's the women that often manage the money for the household. Totally, that's the irony of it. Right, yeah, it is It is ironic. Okay, before we go, this is your second chapter. Is this your final chapter? Because you guys seem to have a knack for knowing what tech things might explode, a la Facebook and now Bitcoin. Is this a chapter in the book? Is this the final chapter, is crypto? Or what else intrigues you guys? Well, hopefully we make a trilogy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the this is probably, hopefully, knock on wood, not our last chapter by any means. Um, I think this chapter is far from being over. Um, but there's always something new. And that's what's exciting about the world. Um, Bitcoin is kind of old hat now, in a way. It's still amazing. Um, but now there's all these cryptos and there's so many, there's always a new frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I think um, there's a good chance that we'll keep doing interesting things that we find interesting. Like Cameron said, maybe maybe it's a trilogy. Maybe it's, I don't know what the word for four books are, but. I don't either. Um, I mean, yeah, or ha- Harry Potter, <laughs> like yeah. there's seven, I don't know. But Bitcoin Billionaires basically starts in 2012, yeah. and I think ends at the end of 2017. Are you trying to sell more books on this podcast? No, it is a very good all. book. We would never, <laughs> never, I would never do a shameless <laughs> plug like that. Um, but, you know, since 2017, so much has happened in the last two years. Yeah. And we think, again, it's just like literally the beginning. So this is a, a next decades plus journey uh, for us in the industry. You know, your story could have ended, your public story could have ended after the Olympics and after the Facebook settlement and you two could have ridden off into the sunset and stayed on that beach in Ibiza. But I wonder if part of this was also not wanting to be defined by Facebook. Do you, five or ten years from now, want people to say, oh, oh, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, Gemini, crypto, Bitcoin, not Facebook? Yeah, I mean, I think Facebook was a pretty small percentage of our life, all things considered. Um, and I think we we grew up in startups. Our father started a technology company, and this was back in like the 80s and the 90s. So we talked to all the engineers, and we walk around and be around computers all the time, and reading through PC magazines and MacWorld and stuff. That's our journey. It's that's been where, in your blood. Yeah, that's our authentic self. Um, we always wanted to start a company and Gemini is really the first one we got to start so we kind of were always going to do this the we sort of joked that rowing in the Olympics was this big 15-year detour um, and we're back to sort of where we we thought we would be this is much more who we are Um, Facebook was a dispute but it really didn't define who we were as people and I think we've lived um, you know we've spoken through our work and Gemini is much more of a representation of you know who we are, what we stand for, what we're interested in. Um, so it's the more complete um, picture. So I just think it's it's who we are as opposed to a dispute in a dorm room um, 
two decades ago now. Yeah. Almost the time we met you. Can you believe that, that you guys were probably going through this Facebook stuff when we met at Harvard? I had no it idea. Had, it had not started yet. I but think I just like watched you guys. From, it was the head of the trials. Head of the trials, yeah. Wow. Um, so it was two years after that. And, wow. You know, um, now we're here. Before we end, uh, on Mark Zuckerberg, do you think he has become too powerful? Hmm. I think that one of the things that draws us to crypto is a decentralization. Um, if you look at the internet, I don't think it's just Facebook. It's very centralized. That's a yes. Um, Mark Brook is the control. He controls Facebook. Well, He's we, the majority shareholder. We've seen this trend of tech companies. There's not that many. I think a lot of people are worried that five companies control the internet. So is breaking them up the answer? I don't know if, uh, I think the better answer is things like crypto and the innovation. Um, Facebook's doing Libra because they think they have to, right? They see crypto coming, they see blockchain, they see decentralization. Um, all of these companies, yes, they're very powerful, but they also realize in five or 10 years, if they don't keep evolving, um, someone else is going to eat their lunch. And I think crypto fundamentally is a pie that is harder for fewer people to dominate. And so, yes, there's a lot of different ways of how can we make the, the field a little bit more open so startups and the American dream can keep happening. Um, a lot of times the marketplace and innovation figures that out. Um, obviously, Microsoft had their own antitrust stuff happen, but was it really that or was it really the marketplace? And, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or the next Mark Zuckerberg, or maybe us too, that want to come in there and you know make it happen mm -hmm. that kind of changes things up and keeps things healthy so i'm not the expert on it i think we share everyone's concern that like basically five companies control the internet but cryptocurrency promises a different internet we use the term web 3.0 um, where it's very hard for one company to dominate um, and it re-architects the internet to the open place of connected computers that was the original vision of the internet um, 30 or 40 years ago. Final question. What will have told you both that you succeeded at this? Is it a number? It's a really, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I think when we look at Bitcoin, until it disrupts gold, our thesis hasn't really played out uh, fully there. Um, I think one, people are using crypto. I think everyday people are using crypto and they don't even know it or don't question how it works. Nobody sits around and contemplates, how does my email work? How does the internet work? We just use it and it works and we've experienced it. And hope we don't get hacked. We hope we don't get hacked. Yeah. Um, we hope you don't spend too much time you know, on social media being addicted to all that stuff. But it works and it's a part of our life and we can't live without it. And so I think there is a day in the future where we can't live without crypto or imagine a world before crypto. We remember a world before mobile phones sure. and the Internet. We're sort of that Me last too. generation. Yeah. Um, every generation today is like growing up on Fortnite and yes. um, on the Web. They're not offline going online. They're going offline. So I think there's a day where going off crypto will be near impossible to imagine. And that's success. Yeah, and bringing the promise to reality. And if Gemini can be a part of that, it has been. But um, the larger 
it can help people get involved in this future, the future of money. You know, we say we're a bridge to the future of money. Um, you know, that's successful. Like, you know, we're grateful for the success we've had so far. Um, you know, we started off as a comp an idea, a company. You know, we bought Bitcoin and Mt. Gox. Like, that's really sketchy and scary. It was a Magic Card uh, exchange, Magic the Gathering yes. online exchange. That's what Mt. Gox stands for. And, and they you pivoted. literally flew around places to put the codes? Yes, we stored our private keys all around the country. Um, I think uh, it's called, like, we call it the reverse heist. Gosh. We had to break into banks or, or you know, sneak yes, into banks yeah. to put our private keys in. A lot of them were scared about right. Bitcoin or that they kind of knew we were associated with it. So, um, but yeah, helping bring the promise of this innovation in. And I think as entrepreneurs, like when we run out of ideas, then we'll be done. Um, but I think we have a few more cards up our sleeves. We've, we want to see this hmm. play out. We think it's really early. Um, so yeah, like, look, we've, we're 200 people now. We started with zero people. Um, it was a crazy dream. You know, it's, we've achieved some success so far. Um, but we think there's so much more to go. Yeah. There's a billion so, people that need crypto that have no access to financial systems. And so that could be a good metric right there. How much of that number can we break down and get to over the next 10 or 20 years? Um, so It's a big goal. Uh, yeah. Good luck. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank Cameron you. and Tyler Winklevoss, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Boss Files. Don't forget to subscribe to Boss Files today so that you can get weekly updates of my conversations with top CEOs and leaders. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.